Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. And let's finish this, that with this. He canceled the record of charges against us. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Someone shout. Woo. Okay, I've got my pharmacy up here. (laughs) Satan has nothing, nothing on us. Hey, uh, worship team, worship band, you guys have a job to do, and that is to usher in the presence of God into this place. And so it prepares our hearts to be able to receive the word of God. And I cannot think of a better group of people or a, a group of people that does a better job at doing that. So well done. Thank you so much. Holly, if you would put that Colossians verse back up there. This was the day when Jesus defeated sin and the powers of darkness on the cross. That day. That was the day that victory for us was secured. And it's important that we understand this. And I think we do. I think we do a great job of understanding the day that our victory was secured. We celebrate it. We sing about it. We uh, have a holiday around it. But it's also important that we understand that there's another day coming when that victory will be made complete. I want to tell you about that day. Revelation tells us of a day that is still to come when our victory will be made complete. It's important that we understand the differences. Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. That's us, the church, the new Jerusalem. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things will be gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. And what a glorious day that will be when our victory is made complete. See, Jesus secured our victory on the cross. 
And he's coming back sometime in the future. We don't know the day or the time to complete that victory. But in between those two days, there are still battles that we have to fight in. Do we fight from victory? Yes, because Jesus has already secured it. But we are the people that are called to be the warriors in this in-between time. See, the battle is not finished yet. It's still going on because Satan still has not been completely given, taken all of his control. He still has a little bit here on earth. And we are the warriors in this time period to fight that. Paul lays this out really clearly for us in Ephesians 6 when he tells us, put on your armor. He's reminding us that we are on a battlefield, not a playground. I I think if we were on a playground, he would have been like, put on your Adidas and your sunscreen. But he didn't say that. He said, put on your what? Armor. Put on your armor. But some of us are living like we're on a playground. And it's time that we begin to engage in our spiritual life as a battlefield and not as a playground. We need to take the sunnies off and pick up the sword of the spirit. We have been given everything that we need to engage in this battle. One of the last things that Jesus told his disciples before he went back up to his heavenly father was this, Matthew 28. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And guess what? He left us with that authority. Let me give you some biblical proof of this. Mark 16. My straw broke. Ice. Remind me next time to ask Starbucks for water with no ice. (laughs) Early on the first day of the week, after rising from the dead, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. After she had seen Jesus, she ran to tell his disciples, who were all emotionally devastated and weeping. Excitedly, Mary told them, he's alive and I've seen him. But even after hearing this, they didn't believe her. After this, Jesus appeared to two of the disciples who were on their way to another village, appearing in a form that they did not recognize. They went back to Jerusalem to tell the rest of the disciples, but they didn't believe that it was true. Then Jesus appeared before the 11 apostles as they were eating a meal. He corrected them for having such a hard, unbelieving hearts because they did not believe those who saw him after his resurrection. And he said to them, As you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. And these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. 
They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes. Aren't you happy about that, Christopher? And from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them in my name, the power of my name. After saying these things, Jesus was lifted up into heaven and sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of God. And the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere. Listen to this. As the Lord himself consistently worked with them, validating the message they preached with miraculous signs that accompanied them. We have been given everything we need to overcome the powers of darkness that we face in this in-between time. Jesus not only showed us how to do it, he left us with his power, and he sent his Holy Spirit to help us. And the Lord himself works alongside of us. It does not get any better than that. We have everything that we need to engage in this unseen battlefield. But a lot of us still think we're on the playground. We're going through our life on the swing set, choosing, choosing to be unaware of the unseen battles that are going all around us. I actually heard someone say, yeah, I think demons are probably real, but I don't really want to think about it. Most of us would rather just plug our ears. They're not there. They're not there. They're not there. And pretend that this part of our world doesn't exist, or more specifically, that this part of being a follower of Jesus Christ doesn't exist, that engage in it. We'll just leave that to someone who's trained. But my Bible tells a very different story. My Bible, from start to finish, shows the battle between the spiritual powers of heaven and the spiritual powers of darkness. And remember, the Bible is a story of all creation from the very beginning of time until a time that is still to come. So I wonder why some of us think, or even that the church for a long time has taught, that this little portion of time that we're in right now, yeah, we're immune to it. We don't actually have to talk about it or think about it or engage in it. I wonder why that is. Jesus engaged in spiritual warfare again and again and again when he was on earth. Read your Bible and you'll see it over and over. You know, God told the prophet Hosea in the Old Testament, he said, the people are destroyed because of their lack of knowledge. So while I don't think we we're supposed to be looking around every corner for a demon, like, was that a demon? Are you a demon? I don't think that's how we're supposed to live our lives. I think we need to be aware of and engage in the battle, though. We need to recognize when we are in the midst of it and use the power that Jesus left us with to fight it off. So uh, when Chris and I were newly married, we lived in an apartment, Riverside Church apartment, which was the third and fourth stories of a huge building. 
And uh, it was super cool apartment. I felt really hipster before hipster was even a thing. <laughs> and um, the, the cool thing about this building is there was roof access. So like you could go up to the top and watch the 4th of July fireworks, and that was so cool. But if someone really wanted to, they could also get up on the roof and have access to our apartment. Uh, they would have to really want to get up there because it was a very tall building. But one Saturday morning, we are sleeping in, as all married couples without children do, and enjoying our blissful sleep in our bed. And all of a sudden, in our doorway, a man appears. Now, Chris did what any wonderful husband and man would do. The man had some choice words for us, and Chris jumped up with his fist like, get out of here! And I, of course, did what everyone else would do and dove under the covers. <laughs> Instead of engaging in that particular battle, I dove under the covers and pretended like he wasn't there. Maybe this sheet will hide me. But diving under the covers did not change the fact that he was still in my bedroom, and it didn't give me an upper hand if he was planning on attacking me. All it did was put me in a vulnerable position if he had have attacked me. Not to mention, I had a wooden bat on my side of the bed that I could have grabbed and clubbed him with. But I dove under the covers. Turns out he was just working on the roof and had gotten curious and wandered into our, our apartment. And we put a lock on the inside of that door from now on, so all was well. But when it comes to spiritual warfare, some of us are diving under the covers and hoping he just goes away. Hoping that someone else will take care of it. When you become aware of the battle in your life, it will cause you to go from a mediocre life in Jesus, which some of you are in right now, to one full of power and victory as you engage in the battle that Jesus has prepared for you to do. Remember, we're the warriors in this time period. Listen, Satan was there on the day that Jesus secured our victory. And he knows his time is short until his ultimate defeat where he no longer has any power. I kind of picture him as like a dog on a leash or a chain. We had this dog growing up that was vicious. I'm pretty sure he had a demon in him. And he would get tired. Don't report this because he's dead. He got hit by a car a long time ago. And this is, we're way past that. But he would have to be tied to a tree outside because he would literally run away and run into the road. And sometimes he would get loose, and he'd be running around the yard and into the road with this long chain attached to him. He wasn't secured to the tree anymore. He was loose, but he still had a chain on him. That's kind of how I picture the devil. He's got a chain on him. He's about to be taken out for good, but he's free right now running around with his chain attached to him. See, Satan is out to get us because he's tasted heaven. He started there. He knows the glory that awaits us. And he doesn't want us to experience that glory because he never gets to experience it again, so he's out to get us. 
And if he can lie to us and he can keep us from believing that there's actually a battle that we must engage in, he's winning. My prayer is, is that in this short series, it's two weeks. I don't know why we did that. That was crazy. It's really more like a six or eight week series, but we're just going to, we're going to go with it, Okay. My prayer is that this will be the beginning of your spiritual eyes and ears being opened up so that you will become more aware of the spiritual realm that is active around you. And we're going to give you some resources to help you with that. We're not going to just throw you into the deep end and say, figure it out. But I'm going to talk about three things today regarding regarding spiritual warfare. The first is hearing from God. It all has to start with hearing from God. That's the foundation. The second is recognizing a demonic presence or attack that you may encounter. And the third is shutting the door that may be open in your life to let Satan have a foothold. So first we're going to talk about hearing from God, and I want to tell you a little bit of our story. Chris and I had chosen to have a home and a family that's been centered around Jesus from the very beginning, actually before our marriage even started. We had that foundation. And over the years, I think we've grown quite a bit in being able to discern how God is leading us, being able to hear the voice of God and know when he's leading us. We're certainly not perfect, but we've gotten better at it because we've pressed in and we've practiced. And there have been some really big moments when we've heard from God, things like Chris and Heather, move back to Illinois without any jobs, and plant your family, start your family in Illinois. Okay? Or another one. Hey, you know those other people that you love and care for? Go start a church with them. That one was pretty obvious, hard to ignore. And it makes me think of Moses in Exodus 3. One day Moses was tending his flock with his father-in-law Jethro. Shout out to Jet. He's not here today. He's watching his dad preach at another church, which is awesome. I'm so proud of you, Ryan. Way to be the church. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go look at it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. And what God did right in that moment was commissioned Moses to go back to Egypt to free his people from slavery and bondage that they had been in for hundreds of years. Those are hard moments to miss that God is speaking to you when a bush is burning in front of you and a voice comes out of it. You've probably had similar experiences, maybe not the burning bush part, but the moment where you know like it's absolutely God, there's no denying that that was the voice of God. But more often, God doesn't show up in a burning bush. 
God doesn't show up in white letters in a blue sky with an airplane trailing behind it. Be like, look, here's what I want you to do. More often he shows up like this. Elijah has just gone through a really difficult event in his life, and he's asking the Lord, what am I supposed to do from here? And the Lord tells him, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, I would have gotten off of that mountain. (laughs) There was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. See, the Lord most often shows up in the gentle whispers, in the stillness of your mind and in the stillness of your heart. That's where he speaks to you. And I think even more often, someone needs to hear this, God shows up in the millions of small moments when you're simply obeying him. So don't be discouraged if you think, I just don't hear God's voice. I don't think he talks to me, or if he does, I never hear it, because I promise you, you have. If you are obeying Jesus with any part of your life, you have heard his voice. Some people hear his voice through their dreams or through visions. Some people hear him through nature. Some people hear him audibly, while others hear him in music. But I think most of us hear him in the still, small voice in our mind. Like this morning, when I woke up and I heard the Lord say, look at, look at your Bible app, look at the verse of the day. And I pull it up, and it's Ephesians 6, and it says, put on the full armor of God. See, this unseen part of our faith, this hearing from God, it is not always easy, but it is the foundation. And if we do not start there, there's no use talking about the darkness side. We have to be able to hear from God first. And I want you to be encouraged that God is speaking to you. Don't take for granted the ways that he might be speaking to you, and you might just be missing them because they're so ordinary and they're so simple. And if you aren't sure, man, I don't know if that was God. I'm not sure if I hear his voice this way, or I'm not sure if I hear his voice that way. Just ask him. Over and over and over again, he says, ask, 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 and he will answer. I thought we had to start with that because hearing from God is the foundation. The second part that we're going to talk about today is recognizing when you encounter a demonic presence or attack. For some of you, you may have already experienced this. For others, you might think, this is freaking me out. I don't know where she's going with this, but hold on, okay? It's not as scary as it sounds. 
Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away. Did you hear me? Then the devil went away. And angels came and took care of Jesus. I wanted us to look at these two stories of Moses and of Jesus because I want us to compare them for a moment. Moses was in the wilderness and he was met by God. And given a commission to obey that would free and save God's people, an entire nation, from slavery and bondage. Jesus was in the wilderness, and he was met by Satan, who was trying to tempt him into sinning, which would have disqualified him from going to the cross and bringing redemption to all of humanity. Do you understand the significance of what Satan was trying to do? He wasn't just asking for Jesus' worship. He was trying to disqualify him from the main reason that Jesus was here on earth, which was to save us. Both were in the wilderness. Both were met by a spiritual power, one by God and one by Satan. I think that especially during wilderness seasons in our lives, and listen, a wilderness season in your life can be one that is God-driven. The scripture says the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Or it can be life circumstances. Moses was in the wilderness because of his occupation. I believe especially during wilderness seasons in our lives, God shows up to speak to us, to give us direction, to correct us, to give us a commission on our lives. But I also believe that in those wilderness seasons, the devil also shows up, and he tries to get his foot into the door of our lives, to catch us off guard, kind of like kick a man while he's down. And we have to be aware of both visitations, when God is speaking to us and when the devil is spewing lies at us. Like I mentioned before, I think Chris and I were pretty good at knowing when God was speaking to us. But four and a half years ago, we began to experience a lot more of the other side of this unseen world in a way that we never had before. Almost to the day that we obeyed God voice, God's voice and with 12 other people started this church, 
we also began experiencing more spiritual warfare than we ever had before, or at least that we were aware of. There have been many nights in our bedroom where we have battled the darkness. Sometimes it might start off as a dream, and we would wake up and we could feel the oppression, we could feel the heaviness or the demonic presence in our room. Sometimes it would just take minutes of rebuking it, leave in the name of Jesus, and it would be gone. And sometimes it took hours of praying, of reading the word of God, of intercession, demanding that that spirit leave. I remember one time I woke up and the pressure on my chest was so heavy. It was like something, like a block was sitting on my chest. And I knew, I knew it was a demonic attack on me. And I remember rebuking it and telling it to leave and then saying, oh, don't go down the hall to my kids' rooms. They're off limits. Our leadership team also begin to experience more trouble than before. Five of the six men on our team in the last four years have gone through significant job loss or turmoil in their jobs. Five of six of them. And as a team, we've experienced disease, sickness, grief, and loss in some pretty massive ways. And there's been more than once that one of us has looked at each other and said, man, this is a battle, isn't it? This is a lot harder than we thought it would be. And to be honest, the physical work of leading this church isn't really that bad. But the spiritual work that we have all become aware of and become engaged in is what has been the most significant work that we have done. And not once have I heard any of us say, let's quit. It's just too hard. We have been tempted, for sure. But we don't back down because what we have learned is that when the spiritual warfare increases in our lives and in this church's life, it is because the work of God is also increasing. And we are willing to fight the darkness to see people set free for Jesus. And so I know to some of you this sounds completely foreign, or you might think I'm making some of this up, or it might be freaking you out a little bit, but that's okay. Because this is just the beginning of you becoming aware of the fact that there is a battle around you and that you must engage in it. We hold the power, and we have nothing to fear. Remember, Paul told us, he said, you will battle darkness. As a follower of Jesus, it's in our job description. Heather Taves, warrior for Jesus, battler of darkness. Ephesians 6 says this, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. He's not talking about the president and senators. He is talking about demons and the devil and darkness. 
against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. When Chris and I realized that if we were going to walk out the obedience of God on our lives, the commission that he had put on our lives, we were also going to have to engage in the darkness that was trying to stop us. Diving under the covers wasn't going to cut it. It wasn't going to make it go away. It was time that we became more aware. It is time that you become more aware of the spiritual battle and engage in it. There's one last thing that I want to cover today, and that's shutting any doors in your life that might be open and allowing Satan to have access. Let me tell you my story. About eight months ago, our very own Phil Schaefer, one of my dear friends, was up here preaching. And he asked all of us at the end to hold out our hands and ask the Lord, what are you asking of me? So being a rule follower, I obeyed. And I heard the Lord say two things. He said, stay faithful to me and support your husband. And I was like, okay, it's not too hard. I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job of both of those. Fast forward to this fall. And in a way that only God can orchestrate all the details of this, Chris ended up going to a conference called Heaven and Business in Redding, California. I was so confident that this was a divine appointment for him, and I was going to stay home and keep up the home front. It was the first week of school, so I keep our kids at home and teach them school at home. And so we were starting school, and we just had an amazing week. Like, it, you know, it was one of those weeks you look back on and you're like, man, I wish I could do that one again because it was awesome. I felt God's presence in really powerful ways that week in our little home, in our schoolroom, with my kids. And as I was reading my Bible, I was getting these incredible revelations, like so too many to write down. And, and as Chris would call back and he would tell me little snippets of what he was hearing, they were lining up. They were the same thing. What God was telling me and what God was telling him, they were very similar. Then Chris came home, and he was so excited, like bursting. You know, you guys know Chris. Like, would he have something exciting that's from God to tell him? He's just like, Pow. He was so excited to tell me all of this stuff, and I honestly was so excited to hear it. But then he walked in the door, and within seconds of him being in our home, something changed. And the only way that I can really describe it is that one moment there was joy and excitement because dad was coming home and he had awesome things to share with us. And the very next moment there was tension and annoyance and strife, it was like someone had flipped a switch. And for two hours, we battled this. We dealt with these feelings, with the strife, what's going on, 
Why does it feel like we both hate each other right now? Why does it feel like we're against each other? I mean, our kids were like, what is up? And they left. I would have too. I wanted to. And finally, after two hours of this, I couldn't deal anymore, and I broke down. I started sobbing, and Chris, all of a sudden, he realized what was happening, and he took my face in his hands, and he began to pray out loud, and he began to rebuke the demonic attack that was taking place in our home. He began to speak out against it. He began to prophesy over me. He began to pray the name of Jesus over our family and over our home. And that thing, it left. And it took us a while to recover. I'm not going to lie. But we were able to begin to share the things the Lord had shown both of us that week. See, the devil did not want Chris to bring back the truth that he had been given. He had been given a commission. A powerful word had been spoken over him. And God had given that to me to confirm it. And the devil did not want that coming back into our home and into our city and into our church. So he was going to do whatever he could do to keep that, that lid on that truth. It was a targeted demonic attack on us. See, what happened is that when Chris walked in that door, I, I let the devil into a door in my life that I had left open called insecurity, called envy, called competition, called jealousy. And the spirit of jealousy, which the Bible talks about, it's one of the strong men, one of the top guys and all the things that come underneath it, all of the symptoms of the spirit of jealousy are things like tension, strife, anger, competition, resentment, disunity. That spirit was trying to come in between us. See, here's the important thing that you need to realize. The only authority that Satan has over you as a follower of Jesus is the authority that you give him. He doesn't get anything unless you give it to him, unless you crack open the door. If he can convince you to cooperate with him, then he's got an open door into your life. And that's exactly what I was allowing in that moment. And it has taken me months of being on my face before the Lord. It has taken me months of study and praying to fully understand what happened in that moment. And one day shortly after this, I had a dream. And in my dream, I saw a wedge. You know, like a block of wood that's used to prop open a door. I remember my grandpa used to have those all over his house. I think he made them. 
And I felt the Lord show me that the devil has these little wedges that he's using to prop open doors that we've given him access to, doors that we've opened for him, and he props that wedge in there, and then he has access into our life in different areas. And the Lord showed me that he was specifically targeting marriages, our marriage, their marriage, your marriage. He was specifically trying to bring tension and disunity into marriages. Because see, if he can get the marriage, he can get the family. And if he can get the family, he can get the church. But not today, Satan. And that was a wake-up call for me. That was a reminder that it was time for me to become more aware of the doors that I had opened in my life that I was allowing Satan to put a wedge in and meddle in our affairs. And a couple of days after I had that dream about the wedge, and the Lord showed me that we needed to shut doors in our life, I read this in my devotional. I knew Jesus, and he was very precious to my soul. But I found something in me that would not keep sweet and patient and kind. I did what I could do to keep it down, but it was there. I besought Jesus to do something for me. And when I gave him my will, he came to my heart and he took out all that would not be sweet, all that would not be kind, all that would not be patient. And then he shut the door. You want to test to know if you have a door that's cracked open in your life? You just have to look at the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5 says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your sinful nature comes from the devil. The devil was the one, Satan was the one who first was a part of bringing sin into the world. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sin sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. If you wonder if there's a door cracked open, and there's something that's secular in your life, there's something that keeps coming up again and again, It might be something small, but it keeps coming up and you feel like you can't overcome it. 
You, you, you like, oh, I feel like I, I defeat it, but then it comes back. It might be that there's a door open in your life to the devil that you need to shut. And until that door is shut, you will not be able to overcome that cycle of sin in your life. A few weeks ago, Chris and I had a similar attack to the one when he'd come back from the conference. The devil, there he was, coming back, trying to get in, trying to use that spirit of jealousy to cause division in our marriage. See, he knows alone we're gifted, but together we are unstoppable. For the kingdom of God. So, of course, he wants to take us out. And there it was. It was coming back. But this time, we were aware. This time, we knew exactly what it was. Because we had become aware and we had shut the door to that spirit. And right away, we recognized what it was and we rebuked it. And he did not get an ounce of victory that time. So recognize the unhealthy cycles in your life. Because they're not just circumstance. They're not just bad habits. I would like to suggest to you today that they might be demonic attacks on you. But James 4 gives us this promise, and I love this, and we're going to end with this. Let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. And listen to me, you do not have to do this alone. None of us are professionals at this. But we have the spirit of God living in us. And we have the Bible that has a lot of good stuff in it. And we want to help you. We want to help you be able to walk in freedom, to recognize the doors that are open in your life that need to be shut. So I don't know exactly what that looks like, but you need to know that we are here for you. We believe in the power. Yeah, we believe that the darkness is real and that it's out to get us, but we believe even more powerfully that the Holy Spirit, his presence is with us and that we have everything we need to defeat him. So I'm going to put a couple of resources up on the screen. If, if this is something you feel like, I need to know more about this. I don't really understand much. The first one is a book called Spirit Wars. It's a really easy read. It's an incredible story of a man who's walked through a lot of spiritual warfare in his life. You can take a picture if you can't remember all that. The second one is an absolutely incredible sermon series called The Invisible War by Cal Rickner from Northwoods Church right here in Peoria. It's Six or five, I don't know, five or six sermons, and it's phenomenal. You can get that online. It'll actually go more in depth and teach you more about the authority structure of the uh, spiritual realms that I didn't have time to teach you today. And then if anybody is interested, we have not scheduled an equip class on this yet, but if, if this is something you would like to learn more about and that we can learn together, um, in the back, there's a sign-up sheet that says, on these tables right here, that says, Equip Class. Just put your name 
and your email address and then put unseen next to it. And I'm not promising that we'll have that equip class, but if there's enough interest, we will. Because we want to equip you to be able to walk fully and have the knowledge and not be like the people that Hosea said they, they were destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. We want to give you the knowledge that we have if you're interested. So would you stand on your feet? We're going to pray this out, and then we're going to sing and shout. And I am so excited for the end of the service because it is going to be awesome. Jesus, thank you so much that you are for us and that you made a way and that you have already secured our victory and that there is a day coming when our victory will be made complete and we cannot wait for that day. But in the meantime, we know, Lord, that you have called us to be your warriors. You have not called us to hold back in fear. You have not called us to dive under the covers. You have called us to stand firm with our armor on, standing firm on the promises and the power and the authority that you left us with through the name of Jesus. We love you and we praise you and we bring all honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.